0: uctoday.com Hello and welcome to UC Today's Out Loud podcast. There has been a data explosion with over 90% of all the data in existence being created within the last two years. And that is only expected to continue with the rise of the Internet of Things. But all of this data is useless unless you're able to analyse it. Luckily, I'm joined on the podcast today by Calabrio, who specialise in workforce optimization and analytics. Their chief product officer, Matt Matsui, talks me through the data explosion and how this will affect analytics in the future. Matt explains our understanding of the human brain is critical to computing development. But I started by asking Matt how they at Calabrio are already looking to the future in their latest version of their contact center workforce optimization suite, Calabrio One. Have a listen.
1: We're excited about the release of uh, our 10.3 package for Calabrio One. I think it's got some some really key features that are important to uh, the evolution of of our suite. It really provides some fundamental things that I think make and enrich all of our solutions. Uh, Number one is uh, the ability to integrate in a in a precise way um, with lots of different data sources so we've always been able to import and export data in very quickly um, but this actually creates some pre-built adapters that make it much much simpler to integrate and combine data from other enterprise systems um, and, and and as you know you know the ability to acquire diverse data uh, in a in a timely way um, with minimal effort is really the name of the game for us right now the more data in the better the results of all the analytics work that we do Ease of use in terms of doing that
0: is obviously crucial, isn't it? You want to make it effectively as as simple as possible to do that.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, We we need to make it uh, simple for companies, and it can't be laborious. It's got to be easy not only to do but to maintain. Um, So the fact that we're creating these precision adapters that bring in exactly the right information, we put it on a flexible framework to allow it to change and modify as either system on either end changes uh, and adapts. It allows us to uh, keep that connection going.
0: In terms of other new features, what well, I know there were quite quite a few additions on this
1: particular version. Absolutely. Um, another, you know, the the just the amount of, uh, of omni-channel data that we're now accessing I think is important. So not only are we able to integrate other data into our analytics, but we're actually able to now integrate deeper with a lot of the CCaaS players. Um, so we've always had good integration. We we're the first uh, WFO vendor to integrate with Amazon Connect. Um, we've actually deepened our, our relationship and our uh, integration with Amazon. Uh, to include uh, things like screen recording, et cetera, to give us you know a broader footprint with Amazon data. We've done the same thing with companies like seranova and Five Nine. Um, we're very excited to uh, introduce and launch our uh, Microsoft Skype for Business integration, um, which a lot of our customers have been excited about as they look at different platforms and bringing in data from other sources. Probably the the thing that that you know, again the closest thing to analytics. You know, we talked last time about sentiment analysis. Um, we're now trying to again make it easier and easier for companies to leverage off of things that we've learned. Um, so, uh, so for instance, we now prepackage uh, a number of different categories and phrases in our analytics engine. So out of the box, um, you can get insights uh, into things like uh, level of empathy um, or identify drop calls or escalated calls very quickly, not just by a reason code, but actually by the content of the interaction. So these, these kind of things you know we think again to your earlier point um it's got to be easy and it's got to be easy to get going and easy to maintain
0: all those tools and enhancements that you guys at collab are consistently adding to to the platform just enhance that ability for customers to to improve their cx experience for their customers again
1: that that's exactly right uh, by, by by providing more information that's deeply integrated from more systems both you know, kind of, I'd say, disconnected and connected systems, um, and then being able to very quickly analyze it with less and less effort required um, is is where we're where we're headed, and that's really our our goal.
0: And is this going this update immediately available to to all existing collaborator customers? Is that of of
1: today, or is that coming up shortly? Uh, it's actually uh, in production uh, globally now.
0: The, the, the release of, uh, of version 10.3 coincided quite nicely with the recording of this podcast because that was just a peripheral benefit. The, I mainly wanted to pick your brains on the future of analytics from an, from an expert's perspective. So you guys are developing all the time. You're obviously releasing new revisions and new versions. Immediately over the sort of foreseeable future, are we just enhancing sort of the emerging technologies that we're already integration, like you mentioned, sentiment analysis? You know, they are and, and that sort of thing. Are we just enhancing those?
1: You know, uh, we're, we're actually seeing uh, some 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 real progress in other areas besides enhancements to our existing platforms. Um, specifically for Collabrio, we're doing more and more with uh, predictive and applied analytics. So this goes beyond speech analytics and text analytics, which we've been you know the industry has been playing with for uh, years and years. Um, we're now starting to get into the world of artificial intelligence and machine learning, um, and actually taking all the data that we're collecting, taking some of the some of the things that we call analytics, uh, which you know we think of more as statistical analytics, um, and and rolling them into something more like behavioral analytics. And that's where we're spending most of our time today. Um,
0: something that I always think about. So, with analytic specialists like, like yourselves, the, the formation of that is obvi- is obviously the the data sources and, and the amounts of data. And one thing you mentioned before in terms of the developments that you've made of Calabrio in terms of omni-channel and, and the different sources you're available, everyone always talks about this, this boom that's coming or, or is already here in IoT and the amount of devices and the amount of data that they're going to create in turn, the expansion of that data pool only enhances your abilities to, to analyze and create
1: benefits. It does. Uh, it, it does. It gives us much more material to work with. Um, and as we continue to expand beyond channels and in different pockets of, of companies, um, we, we get a richer set of diverse data. Um, so it's, you know, in, in the past, a lot of times our insights have been limited to the source of data and the types of data that we collect. Um, but now, as that gets broader and broader, we're starting to get much more of a 360 view, a 360-degree view of interactions, both from the customer and the agent perspective.
0: And in terms of the boom in data, and as you said, that the different sources that you're now able to leverage, how difficult is it to distinguish between effects? Because there must be a lot of white noise in terms of data. In relation to stuff that's not particularly relevant necessarily for what for what you guys are trying to do so how, how difficult is it to differentiate the data you require to the the data that isn't isn't so relevant
1: yeah you know that that's a really uh that's, that's a really interesting and insightful question because you know i i liken it to you know we talk about artificial intelligence so i, I like to draw parallels to uh human intelligence and the way the brain works um uh, you know as, as people we all uh, we all process amazing amounts of information every day. And, you know, when you think about that as an example, um, just looking at one picture, like an image, um, the retina has, I think, 5 million uh, cones and 120 million rods that are required to capture light and form an image. That's a, a single image. So each image is is already managing 125 million discrete pieces of data. And you think about, through the day, what you see, what you hear, what you feel. Um, these are things that generate a tremendous amount of information, most of which, as you point out, is, is white noise. It's it's data that is not relevant. Um, the, the human brain has actually created this capability called automaticity to help it process all that amazing amount, uh, amount of information. So it is based on pattern detection. So for instance, there's a lot of research that's been done. Um, most people can recognize uh, around 1,500 faces. Um, so when you're looking at all these different images and you're sorting through you know, countless numbers of images, each at 125 million uh, data points, um, something in there, something in your brain is able to detect, hey, I just saw an image that I recognize. It's one of the 1,500 faces that I know. When that happens, it's something triggers in your brain that says, here's a rule that says, if I, hit, if I hit on one of these faces, I'm going to recognize it, I'm going to pivot, and I'm going to say hello. And it's gone from automatic, me not even understanding what's happening, to me aut- automatically getting a conscious signal in my brain that's directing me to do something, and I'm choosing to say hello, or I'm choosing to look away and pretend I didn't see them, right? So it's gone from something that's on autopilot to something that is creating a mandatory decision in your conscious brain. And, and I think that's what's happening a lot of times in corporate America, when we're drowning in all this data, IOT is generating crazy amounts of information and data. All, our, all of our systems and every change that's made in an ERP system, all this data is coming around. And the trick is, you know, on level one, you know, let's create those rules to identify when something has to happen, when there's fraud, or when there's something that's breaking a threshold. Um, a lot of times what we've been doing here in the last five to 10 years is starting to create those rules and you know in, in obviously in the in the hierarchy of evolution you know we are at the very very basics of how do i manage all this data
0: there's a couple of bits i that i wanted to follow up on there firstly sure. the the automaticity piece is, is that right automaticity
1: Yep, that's exactly right
0: so it, effectively we need to replicate that within an ml or a, or an ai function don't we that you, computers can be doing this in the, in the background without a human having to have any any direct
1: involvement with that—that's exactly right. Because our brains, just like our people and our organizations, cannot possibly process the the tremendous amounts of data that are being generated.
0: The the, the analogy obviously always comes back, and and you make it very well to to, to the human body and what you're saying about eyes and the, and the amount of data that that retinas can can absorb, and and then the human brain. Effectively, we're working for AI and ML to. And I suppose it's the only model that we know, really, isn't it, is it, to replicate a, a human brain function effectively.
1: I, I think that's it. I mean, if you really look at the, think about the term artificial intelligence, it's, it's it's the only model that we really understand is human intelligence. And that artificial piece is just trying to replicate it uh, using technology.
0: So what are the next, what phase do you think we're in at the moment uh, of artificial intelligence? Obviously, we're potentially right at the threshold of of AI and ML, so so what what phase are we at at the moment, and what what do you think the next the next phase will be, and the and the developments that will bring? Yeah, you
1: know, I, I I believe that we are we're really starting to uh, get real progress in that that kind of core. I'm now going to elevate data into kind of the next phase, which is con- conscious decisioning, um, and and from my perspective, um, kind of predictive decisioning. So you know, we're starting to see small pockets of uh, of advancement in the ways that we can predict behavior and we can predict activity and we can predict events. Um, you know, when, you know, there's a, there's a great article that I read uh, about a year or so ago um, that really explores how Major League Baseball uh, batters can hit a ball going 95, 98 miles an hour. Um, and it is, it's funny, I, I think one of the, you know, one of the players that they interviewed said, oh, it's really easy. You just stand at the plate and you hit the ball. And it's interesting because when they do time motion studies and actually break down what he's doing, he's actually absorbing and processing very small, barely, barely detectable visual cues in the way that the pitcher is throwing, how he's standing, how his hand and arm swings, how it ends up at the, at the very end of his, of his pitch. Um, and these are things that are again hardly hardly noticeable by the untrained eye but to certain athletes they can actually see that and based on that they can predict where the ball's going they can't actually see the ball coming at them at the rate they are but they understand the mechanics and they understand these visual cues that allow them to predict where the ball's going to be it's the same way that people who are catching the ball—they're not actually doing the math and, and, you know, deciding exactly where to stand, and they certainly can't create a dotted line that projects where the ball is going to be. However, they a lot of times uh, when you talk to those guys who are really good at it, what they're really saying is um, they can actually see by the way the batter is swinging the bat, the way the ball is coming down, the trajectory off of the bat. Sometimes even the sound of the of the bat hitting the ball gives them very very clear capabilities to predict where the ball is going to be
0: that, that's a really interesting analogy um and i instantly when you were sort of making the baseball analogy and then you came onto i was thinking of in terms of a simple catch even if you know it's not at high speed you're absolutely right there's no there's no conscious equation in, in my head it's it's a subconscious calculation that taking into various factors past experience uh, and all of those take part so so what's the what's the equivalent within computing of that that we're that we're trying to work towards in in sort of the next phase of development
1: exactly so that that's those are things that our r&d teams are working on uh around the clock here because because we're at such an exciting time i mean uh the ability to not just uh, analyze what someone said in terms of, you know, I, I can transcribe it on a piece of paper, but we're now we're now starting to analyze everything customers do and say, how they say it, how frequently they say it, what time of day they say it, um, the sentiment that we talked about, the emotional charge behind the word choices that they make. These are all things that are equivalent to those body mechanics, those small, almost imperceptible cues um, that happen um, that really predict what someone is, is actually going to do or the path the ball is going to take. So, you know, from a from a, a contact center perspective, you know, when people are calling and interacting, some of the things they're saying in the ways they're saying it are you know to to our our models and our algorithms, um, we are able to predict whether a customer is at risk of leaving. Or we can predict the level of loyalty of a customer based on these imperceptible cues that are happening, both, you know, in text, in action and behavior, in terms of purchasing behavior, return behavior, in terms of, um, you know, cer- certainly in terms of uh, what they say and how they say it. Um, these things are now able. We're now able to take these things, find these these cues, and we're able to predict what customers are really thinking, and and not just what they're thinking, what they're likely to do, because. What we're finding out, and the way we look at analytics is, it's less about math and models, it's more about people. And it's more about trying to understand how people behave, right, from what they say to their true intentions to how those intentions may or may not turn into behavior and actions. And that ties in so nicely to what we were talking about before, and the fundamental of that is,
0: as In the example of a pitcher in baseball or a batsman in baseball or whatever it might be, you need to be able to visualize the data sources. So I either need to be able to see or I need to be able to hear what's happening. And it's the same in computing as well, isn't it? You effectively have to have the the background data for for, for the machines and the algorithms and the artificial intelligence ML centers to be able to predetermine what's happened before and make a judgment based on what's happened before and what's happening now to
1: do any sort of prediction. Yep, that, that's exactly right. And, and I like how you separated AI from machine learning because I think that's exactly right. The machine learning piece is, is to think about a baby or a toddler learning how to walk or learning that the stove is hot or, you know, learning how to catch a ball. Um, it's trial and error and it's repeated and it's got to be a closed loop system that helps train and helps the system learn. And, and that's the machine learning part of everything we do here. When we do these, when we create these models and we make these predictions, we actually follow it up with what actually happened. So over time, you actually see we thought this customer was at risk of leaving. Did they leave in three months? Did they leave in six months? Did they leave in a year? And in that way, we're able to calibrate and train our model to be able to better and better predict, just like just like people and just like humans.
0: Well, that's it's absolutely fascinating. Speaking to you as always, Max. Well, first of all, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, I enjoyed it. Massive thanks to Matt for coming onto the podcast and talking big data and analytics with me. The concept of automaticity within computing is really fascinating. So, really excited to see how that develops. If you want to know more about Calabrio, head to uctoday.com and you can find loads more information on how they're looking to the future of analytics and optimization. Also, don't forget that we have launched our inaugural UC Awards for 2018. You can apply online in one of eight categories and we will be recognizing the most disruptive and innovative companies across the unified community communication and collaboration industries. Head to uctoday.com and find the awards page for all the details. That's it for today though. Thanks for listening.